We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's up, guys? Look, in case you haven't heard the news, Blue Wire has teamed up with Greg Olson to launch his brand new pod called TE1. Greg sat down with some of the best tight ends in the league's history to talk about the evolution of the tight end position. Panthers fans, you're not going to want to miss out on listening to your old pal. Chop it up with some of the best to ever lace them up, from Mike Ditka to George Kittle, all the way down to Cole Komet. We have you covered. Check the description box for a link to the feed, or just search TE1 anywhere you listen to your pod. And just like Greg revolutionized the tight end position, you can revolutionize your football experience with NFL Sunday Ticket by DirecTV. Catch all the out-of-market games every week on all your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Go to NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout for 15% off. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv, promo code BLUEWIRE. Intercepted by Sam Mills. Steve oh! Smith is going to go all the way. Panthers win in overtime. Newton steps up, goes for the end zone. Olsen, touchdown! Brian Burns to the house. This one is picked again. Intercepted by Boston. Bridgewater throwing to the end zone. Touchdown! Samuel still on his feet inside the five to the end zone. Touchdown by Moore. And in the foot race, McCaffrey to the end zone. Keep pounding on three. One, two, three. Keep pounding. We are back with another edition of the Roar Podcast. John Ellis and the great Billy Marshall alongside here. On the Blue Wire Network, by the way, you need to check out TE1, former Panthers great Greg Olson has a new podcast, TE1, right now on Blue Wire. Our guest today is one of our good friends, 
This guy has been, and we talked about this before, every single game ever in Panthers history. This gentleman has been in the broadcast booth the month. To my knowledge, I, I may have missed one game. Might nope. have had a runny nose. I don't know. Nope. It's Jim Zoki, folks. Jim, how you doing, buddy? I'm good. Uh, you know, I may not be the best, but I, I have the best uh, perfect attendance record. Uh, so I think <laughs> that, that counts for something, being there every game. You're right. You're a compiler, right? You, you compile. You're like Emmett right. Smith. You just keep churning. <laughs> <laughs> I've never had that comparison. <laughs> yeah. Please take it as a positive yeah. one. I promise yeah. you. I mean, just for compiling stats, I love that. <laughs> Jim's great. Uh, he's been right there covering Panthers camp uh, front and center. And followed along on your Twitter yesterday, saw some of the nice pictures of the stadium and uh, some of the interviews you were doing. Uh, what, uh, what was it like uh, at FanFest with no fans? Talk about the atmosphere yesterday. It was loud. I mean, I, I'm not sure you watched. I saw you're posting things about it. They really had the speakers up with virtual fan noise and music. So Kristen Balboni's on the sideline doing player interviews and the players couldn't hear her because he had a socially distanced six feet and she had the mask yeah. on. Uh, so it, it felt felt good. I mean, obviously, much rather have the real thing, have the real fans there. But I thought the atmosphere was pretty good for what it was. And, um, you know, we got a chance for everyone to kind of see – what we see at practice. So we get to see some of the practice in my case, if they're inside the bubble, I'd miss, you know, 30, 40 minutes of practice. They come out on the field on the days that I'm there. So I don't get to see everything, but this was a chance for everyone to kind of get like a good two hour look at what a practice would look like. And they didn't try to do anything super special. They didn't scrimmage or do anything out of the ordinary, obviously, but uh, at least a chance to see what a Panthers practice looked like. If you had gone to fan fest, if you'd traveled down to the land of John Ellis and Spartanburg and taken in something at camp Wofford. You've been at camp and covering it for, you know, I guess the last few weeks, who has stood out to you? Um, I want to mainly focusing on the young players because we haven't really seen many of them. Um, you know, new players in the, some of the rookies. Who has kind of stood out to you when you've been watching? You know, it's hard to name individual guys, but we'll, we'll do a couple of that anyway because we're not the coaches and we could do that kind of thing. But um, <laughs> Brandon Zilstra, I mean, nobody – you know, from a fan perspective was given much of a thought to Brandon Zilstra. And if you had asked me during the off season, was he still part of the roster from last year being a carryover guy? I wouldn't have been a hundred percent sure on that one. He was the guy who had six catches, 96 yards in the finale at new Orleans and an otherwise, you know, forgettable game. Uh, but uh, has come in and every day makes catches. He's a bigger guy at six foot two. And, you know, they've got that at DJ Moore, but, you know, a lot of it's Curtis Samuel and Christian McCaffrey in this offense. So it's nice to have a sizable receiver, especially with uh, Kirkwood coming off the clavicle injury. Seth Roberts just now getting back, who's also six foot two, just now getting back out of concussion protocol. But sneaky pick to make the roster is Brandon Zilstra. Of course, now you're competing with someone like Farrell Cooper, who's going to be a special teams guy, kick and punt returner that would have a leg up on being one of those receiver spots. So you got to be a big special teams guy to make it in that. Uh, but I think he is certainly somebody that is standing out as, as having an opportunity to make the team. You know, we've been following guys like TJ Green from down your way, down the former Clemson Tiger oh, yeah. at corner. And uh, we talked to Phil Snow this week heading into the broadcast about that other corner spot opposite Dante Jackson. And he named a list of guys, obviously Eli Apple, Troy Pride Jr., T.J. Green. And he did say Eli and Troy are, are in the lead fighting for that. But I think T.J. Green's going to be right up there. And as Phil said, whoever loses that corner spot, whoever comes in second, he would hope would be like a nickel starter or something like that. So I think, you know, T.J. Green is kind of, again, a, a guy that's kind of low on the radar at the beginning of camp has emerged as uh, someone that can do something. They really like Stanley Thomas Oliver, by the way, too, the seventh round pick as having an opportunity to do stuff. And then you start looking at, you know, some veteran guys, 
because we look at the rookies and what they can bring and so forth. But you look at some of the veteran guys like a Zach Kerr uh, as a defensive tackle, just to be in that rotation, a 30-year-old guy who's 334 pounds. But we think about Derek Brown, we think about K.K. Short. I mean, you need that rotation of four in there, obviously. And I think somebody like Zach Kerr as just a veteran, again, not big-name guy, could be that. I'll give you one more. It's Darius Taylor, who used to be a Darius Glanton when he played with the Panthers back in 2014. Did some good things down in Tampa Bay, played in Cleveland last year. And you know what? Jermaine Carter, Andre Smith have not to this point really emerged from more of what they were last year to being a step-up guy this year as a starting linebacker. So I could see, again, a veteran guy that Matt Rule calls a pro's pro in a Darius Taylor, maybe being a starting linebacker in this group. But of course, Jeremy Chin, they love all over the field, is an obvious one. But, you know, Chin's going to see some time at linebacker, some time at safety, maybe in the nickel. So if it's not Chin on certain sets and downs, uh, someone like a Darius Taylor, who's not a big name guy to a lot of fans out there, might be someone to keep an eye on. Jim Zoki, Panthers Radio Network, joins us here on The Roar on Blue Wire. Let's talk Will Greer, Jim. That's a fascinating case study. Now, we talked about him last camp. I know you and I have talked about uh, you know, how he struggled a little bit during camp last year, and he was obviously thrown to the Wolves against Indy, and that was a tough spot. And Billy and I have been talking about Greer. Uh, we're hearing good things from our sources. What are you seeing from Will in terms of his preparation, in terms of his production, at least in practice right now? Yeah, I mean, you root for a guy like that from the Charlotte area, uh, lifelong Panthers fan. He's got a family already at a young age. So you like to see people like that succeed. His dad is a coach in the area. So for Will Greer, you know, last year looked too big for him, honestly. He looked very raw, not polished, not ready. And when he got those two starts, I mean, he wasn't ready. Zero touchdowns, four interceptions, a fumble lost, six sacks. And uh, as he said, it was bad. I mean, it was just bad all the way around those two games. And he was playing, honestly, on a bad team, behind a bad offensive line, playing bad football. So how do you yeah. separate it out and know what you got out of all that mess? Mm-hmm. This year, um, for you know, whatever reason, come out of West Virginia, he said the, uh, this is a very important thing you guys know is uh, just the terminology makes a big difference he's not having to think as much you know the terminology is more in line with what he was used to coming out of West Virginia uh, being a second year guy not being everything for the first time he's settled down a little bit more so he seems comfortable and it seems like every day as they do these reps he tends to make a couple really good throws that stand out in the practices uh, the ones I've seen and then when I see the highlights of days I'm not there of him just making good throws and making good plays and so again still in the project mode Clearly a backup, you know, can he beat up P.J. Walker for that second job? I don't know, is he a third? Uh, but Matt Rule's been complimentary of all three. And when Matt Rule's complimentary of his quarterbacks, he's talking about them knowing and understanding to this point what they're trying to do offensively. He's not mm-hmm. saying, you know, these guys are like all starting quarterbacks. But what he's saying is when he says they're all starting quarterbacks is he thinks all three of those guys could start if called upon to be able to run their offense, not to feed Wait, wait, themselves. you mean, oh, hold on, just to, to interrupt, you, you mean Twitter got it wrong when they accused Matt Rule of <laughs> uh, predicting all four quarterbacks as the next Aaron Rodgers? Uh, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Coach speak is coach speak, and Matt coaches – uh, and he speaks like a coach, and that's you got to take it with a grain of salt. Go ahead, Jim. Sorry. You no, know, there are guys that he likes, and they get waived later in the day. So that does happen. But <laughs> that's um, right. that has happened during this camp. But just clarify when he says all three could be starters, he's saying in terms of them understanding what they're doing offensively for what they've been given to this point. Not necessarily that all three, if they were out and available, would all three be starting quarterbacks somewhere else in the league? Hmm. So I want to stick to the offense here from a broader perspective. I know you can't really glean much into practice and training camp, but what are some of the interesting things you've seen from Joe Brady's offense? Because that's certainly um, a, from a national perspective, I think 
the fact that they were able to, you know, bring him into Carolina. And I think there's going to be a lot of anticipation with, you know, how this offense looks this year, uh, given that you have the skill, talent, and a new quarterback who has worked with Brady in the past. What have you learned from watching the offense in the limited time you have? Yeah, so we get to watch it, and uh, I'm going to ruin your question out of the bat. We are told not to talk strategy and even, like, starting formations and things like that. <laughs> what are so, you doing, Billy? What are you trying to get him fired? I, no, I'll, I'll protect myself. <laughs> I'll protect myself, John. So, yeah, we, we are told. And, and this honestly, this goes for all the reporters there. This is not me. This is you could have on Elena. Uh, you could have on Joe Person uh, from uh, The Athletic yeah. and from The Observer. Uh, they're, they're part of the – the being allowed to look at practices that you don't report on strategy and things like that. Back in the day, of course, when you were Spartanburg, it was just out there for everyone to see. So it's kind of this kind of like, well, people used you know, fans, you guys could go down and see, and you know, John reporting down there, you could see it yeah. and you can yeah. report on it, but they've, it's really gotten tighter the last couple of years on that, as far as uh, what's being put out there. So we'll ask players, like you're asking me, they do these Zoom press conferences after practice and every day they'll have two or three guest players or maybe the coach. And so we've asked Joe Brady, we've asked the players, Tell us, just give us something. What is the offense? What is it? And they all say two things. They say, it's fun. And then they pause and they go, and I'm not going to tell you anything else because I don't want the cat out of the bag because it's an advantage. <laughs> Nobody knows what they're going to do. Now, yeah. we can look at what they've done and realize a lot of it's going to come from the New Orleans Saints. That's why Teddy Bridgewater is here, that he fits the offense. Mm-hmm. It's going to have some Saints flavors. It's going to have LSU flavors. But they're all quick to point out, and so is Joe Brady, and a whole lot of new stuff that wasn't done there because they're not just going to plagiarize and try to replicate what was going on with Sean Payton and Drew Brees. So it's going to look in broad strokes a little bit like what you saw at New Orleans, probably to some degree of what you saw at LSU. But again, that was so collegiate, it can't be that. Uh, And then obviously a lot of new wrinkles here with the fact that everything's going to be built in mind with you got the number one running back in the league, Christian McCaffrey, who's also one of the top wide receivers in the league, Christian McCaffrey. So we know that part's not going to change. So let's change it up then. How, what can you tell us about the skill players? I know you talked about Zalistra earlier, but I'm, I'm mainly focusing on like the top three receivers and that's Anderson, uh, DJ Moore and uh, Curtis Samuel. I've, we've seen some clips here and there of, uh, of DJ and Curtis uh, making some nice catches that the social media has been tweeting out. Uh, is there anything you can say about those and how they've been able to look during this camp? No, I think they're very excited about it. you. Just named, you, you identified the top three. That's clearly, you know, that three receiver set would be fun to watch. And Robbie Anderson brings a ton of speed and really consistent numbers in his last three years. So that that's a welcome addition, that flat out speed. And then in DJ Moore, you got the physical run after the catch guy, who to me was one of the top five receivers or so in the league in the second half of last year. Now, can he sustain that? And that just is, is that the new DJ Moore or was that just a hot streak? We'll see in this offense, but you know, DJ Moore's got really, I think a, a higher ceiling that we've seen to this point. And then the wild card in all of this is how much will they use Curtis Samuel? I think they will absolutely bury his role more than it was before. Uh, you know, they've alluded a couple of times to his Ohio state days and I'm a Buckeye fan. So I, I watch probably more Ohio state football than a lot of the listeners out there do. Uh, but Samuel at Ohio state was a really balanced Christian McCaffrey type running back wide receiver and even to some degree a kick returner that I could see him being in the backfield and using him either as a decoy or flat out just getting the ball in his hands as a running back last year 
He had 130 rush yards. I could see that maybe doubling this year, so I'm not expecting 500 yards. I could see him pushing, you know, 250, 300 maybe in terms of some kind of end of rounds or rushes of some sort. And then obviously in the slot, they love him there. But also as a just an out receiver out on, on the flanker, uh, I could see him doing that too. So I think he's going to have a very varied role. Now, uh, uh, will lead to huge production numbers. There's so many other people to feed in this offense. His numbers may not change a ton, but I think the way he's going to be used is is really one of the things they're excited about implementing this year. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL with NFL Sunday Ticket TV. You can stream every live out of market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSunday.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSunday.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. Jim Zoki, Panthers Radio Network, joins us. You can follow him at Jim Zoki on Twitter. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater is the new quarterback, Jim, in case you haven't heard. That's a sort what? of a maybe flew under the radar for some people. <laughs> Let's talk Teddy, okay? Let's talk two gloves. This is an interesting story because he's trying to revitalize his career as a starting quarterback. A great story in his own right. You know, a lot's been made of Cam Newton and his comeback, and that's fantastic. Teddy went through a tremendously difficult situation with his uh, leg injury in 2016. Uh, he's in the building. He's obviously the, the starting quarterback. There's no question about that. Um, tell us about Teddy observations from in the building. I think, you know, people love fantasy football. They love stats and, and they sometimes look from the outside at players and they judge them by that. Cause they haven't really watched a player and don't know the person that is the player. And I think that maybe the most overlooked word in pro sports is fit. And I think in college, you can just get away with being a great athlete. You can be really raw and be a great athlete. And you can win a Heisman trophy and maybe a national championship that way. In the pros, though, I mean, different teams do different things. And, you know, you'll hear some cliche, everyone runs the same offense, everyone does the same thing. But Teddy Bridgewater, getting back to the New Orleans flavor of what this offense is going to be having, that Saints kind of flavor to it, ran it for two years, had the five starts last year, nine touchdowns, two interceptions, 68% completion in that. That's what they want. They want an accurate thrower of the ball, a guy that's not going to turn it over, who's going to make the right read out of the – three, four, five passing options on the route tree that are out there. And beyond that, just a cerebral guy who understands the offense, who can teach it to the other two quarterbacks, to the other skill positions in the offense, and be that guy that can get everyone set the right way because he understands his job and everyone else's job that's out there. And as you said, he's been through the wars. He's been a number one pick. He's been a starter that tore up his knee, came back from a devastating two-year rehab to get back, Mm -hmm. took his lumps as being – a guy on the bench watching Drew Brees, knowing he wasn't going to get the chance to play, then played well and took the opportunity to do well in the second opportunity. He said the first time he got to fill in for Drew Brees, he wasn't really that ready. He learned from that lesson, and we had those five starts last year. He was ready and focused. So here's a guy who's kind of lived it all and still is in his 20s and is in a pretty friendly cap structure deal for three years as far as starting quarterbacks in this league go. So is he the flashiest and uh, you get a lot of headlines in the news? No, not till he leaves here and goes to New England like Cam. But I think in the interim, he's going to be really solid and uh, the right fit for this offense. And uh, I think kind of the right guy at the right time coming off of Cam. And maybe he's like that Steve Berline type guy, John. You know, Steve Berline didn't have mm-hmm. a lot of headlines, but he had some big numbers when George Seifert liked him. Then George turned on him in year three. But Berline <laughs> put us up really good numbers there for, for Seifert for a while. And I think Bridgewater with this fit 
and his accuracy and his demeanor uh, will be a good player. And I, I think a good teammate for these guys is a good captain for this team, I would think. Jimmy, I'm glad you said Burline. I talked with Luther Broughton. You know, Luther. Uh, yeah. We were talking about the 99 Panthers. Of course, he missed out on that when he was uh, back in Philly there. But he knew Seaford. He knew Burline real well and was devastated when they released him. But talking about that 99 team, I see a lot of parallels here in terms of the roster structure. I think they can score points, maybe not as many as they did in 99, but close enough. And I think the defense might struggle. But when you talk about the construct of what they're doing here in Carolina, the national media, as you know, tends to get a lot of this wrong because they look at it from a very high level and they don't get granular. And it obviously to their benefit to be willfully ignorant at times because their their listeners and their readers eat that up. But when you dive deep into what Carolina's done with this roster, the whole idea of tanking obviously is not very strategic. There's not a lot of data that supports, in the NFL at least, a path to success there because anything can happen. Plus, you've got pros in the locker room that aren't going to buy into that. Can, can you sort of put that to bed there? Because you're in the building and you're not a biased guy. You're very honest here. Talk about they may not win a lot of games, Jim, but they're not trying to lose on purpose. No. And um, Matt Rule's not that way. And I can tell you Marty Herney's not that way. And I know, you know, people uh, that follow you, you've got a mixed bag about how people feel about Marty. But Marty's a competitor who wants to win. I, he would not be here if they were just trying to tank the season and try to get the number one. And you're right. I think, you know, last year everyone was talking about Miami tanking and they ended up being fifth in the yeah. draft last year. And they still got a quarterback. Yeah, they, they still got, got the guy, guy they were supposed to tank for. They tanked for it two worked out. five, <laughs> as it turned out. So, yeah, I agree with that. It's not a tank. But here's, you know, here's a great example to me is, you know, there's a story of, you know, Dave Tepper bought this, uh, you know, this mansion down in Florida and he tore it down. It was somebody who was a former uh, employer of his in the business. John Corzine's house. I yeah, tore it to the ground, took the land and then built his new mansion on top of that <laughs> lot of land to make yep. his own mansion. So it's like when you move into a house, you go, oh, nice uh, flowered wallpaper. I like this. <laughs> I like this area, but I, like, I like Charlotte. I like living here, but I don't like what I'm seeing here. I'm going to make it my own. Right. And I think that's all they're doing is not tanking and not trying to rebuild, but making it their own. I mean, you've got a new owner. You've got a, a new head coach, very collegiate field of this staff. And there's a way they're going to go about structuring the roster that has a synergy and a feeling of not these mismatched pieces we're trying to plug in and just get by for a couple of years. And then we're always recycling these pieces. I think they're doing everything in mind, whether it's a draft pick an undrafted rookie coming in or a 30 year old veteran that these guys fit the scheme of what we're trying to do. And conversely, as good coaches do see the talent we have and fit our scheme to fit the premier talent guys like DJ Moore, guys like Christian McCaffrey and so forth. So I think this is a no, nothing more than, making it all fit together in the right way for Matt Rule and then each of those coaches on, you know, we talk about Phil Snow, you talk about Joe Brady, get them the types of parts and pieces that make sense instead of just gathering football players and then two or three years from now, we'll go get our quarterback. I don't think that's in the mix at all. So sticking with the front office structure, what can you say about how they're going to proceed with the entire structure of the front office? And by that, I mean, I know they hired a guy who was close to Matt Rule from the Patriots. Um, there's been a lot of discussion within the local and national media about Marty Herney's uh, tenure and where, you know, what direction he's going to go in the future. So what can you say about that? And then I have a follow-up on top of that too. 
I think, you know, it's all to be determined. I think it's a couple of things. It's a two-way street. You know, Marty has been in this league a long time. He still has that fire, so I think he wants to continue in that role. I think uh, when you look at David Tepper, he was very complimentary of Marty in the category of drafts in particular and what a great job he does in the draft. And Marty's identified great coaches. You know, he was here when John Fox came in, brought him in, uh, hired Ron Rivera, and uh, was right there. As we, as we know, had a meatball dinner at uh, Matt Rule's house. <laughs> and has identified Legendary. What, yes, and, and has identified what many believe is going to be uh, one of the real cutting-edge new coaches in the league in Matt Rule. So I think Marty brings a lot of value and has done a great job in identifying players and trying to keep those players. You know, he's learned, I think, from the past about not trying to keep too many of the players with too much money so that you have some cap room. And I think that was a lesson that he's talked about that he's learned. But uh, – I think that's a good working relationship right now. And we did see that Marty and Ron had a great relationship. As I mentioned, it was Marty and John Fox. They, you know, John ended up having his nine years and then his run came up. They brought in uh, Ron and they were you know, brought together. It wasn't the GM and coach coming in together, but they, they meshed well. The two of them did. And now we're seeing that same thing with Matt Rule, especially with his coaching staff being very collegiate again. Uh, I think they, they need that veteran NFL experience uh, of Marty to be able to identify with his scouting staff. You know, here's a young veteran guy, or maybe here's a 28 or 30 year old guy that would be a real good fit that we've identified with our pro scouting department. That would be a nice complimentary piece to the depth of this team at some point. And, and, and so I guess, I guess my follow-up there would be, we know what Marty is about. He's obviously the guy who you see at a, college game you know sitting up in the stands taking notes watching he's your traditional scout but there's a lot of modernization going on with on within front offices around the league you see the smartest teams in the league like the eagles and the ravens uh patriots vikings those teams they incorporate a lot of analytics and uh data within their decision making and i know the panthers last year they hired a guy um from the eagles who focused on that but is there going to be some type of like modernization within the front office um maybe like in two to three years uh, because I know it, it does take a little bit of a transition. Uh, it's not something that you can just, um, you know, fix overnight. I think, you know, again, you mentioned there's different people doing different jobs. There's, there's Marty whose favorite thing is you're right, is going to games and seeing players in person and nothing replaces that. Of course now easier said than done to go to places and go see players play. And they have analytics type guys, but even Matt rule for all the talk about cutting edge that he is analytics and new science and all this kind of stuff and whether that's nutrition and health or how practices are conducted. He made the point the other day, as Ron Rivera made on his going away speech uh, at the stadium, that you know people can make numbers be what they want to be. And you can't say you should go for fourth and one all the time here. You shouldn't say this is where you go for two or this is where you kick the field goal or where you gamble and go for the touchdown because it's situational. It's, it's weather. It's health. It's knowing the matchup. Are you playing a good team or a bad team? Are you playing a good running team or a good passing team? So you can get lost in analytics because there's still broad stroke numbers and there's so much breakdown into those analytic numbers that you, you have to have the human element. You've got to, as a coach, make that judgment. As a scout or a GM, you've got to make that player decision thing. So I get back to Marty going in person out to these places along with his scouts. You get a feel for people by being around them and talking to their coaches and their assistant coaches and maybe their families and their high school coaches. And that's how you really do it. I, to me, I lean more towards the old school. Yes, there's a place for numbers. There's a place for analytics. It's more information, as we say, another chunk of knowledge and information to use. 
But if you lean on analytics like the Browns did a couple of years ago and you just go all Harvard, it's not going to be football. And uh, at the end of the day, it's more football than it is numbers and analytics. From tight muscles, tough workouts, signs of aging, to simply making it through each busy day, everyone understands what it feels like to be tense and sore, so everyone can benefit from TheraOne's CBD products. Started by Dr. Jason Worsland, TheraBody exists to provide you with the best scientifically validated natural solutions to help you soothe your body and relax your mind. It started with the revolutionary Theragun percussive therapy device. When Dr. Jason saw the benefits of using CBD in his treatments, he created TheraOne to bring you CBD products done right. Now, a lot of CBD products claim organic, but contain up to 30% filler, and these fillers are potentially toxic. TheraOne tests their products four times before they get to you. Every product is USDA certified organic, grown in the U.S., and their CBD extracts are the highest quality available anywhere. Use TheraOne's warming lotion in your morning routine, the cooling lotion or massage oil to recover, or body balm for targeted relief. And now through Labor Day, Monday, September 7th, TheraOne is offering our listeners a buy one, get one, free for all TheraOne products. But you've got to go to theragun.com slash bluewire. If you don't love what you get from TheraOne, send it back for a full refund within 30 days of purchase. This is not something TheraOne is likely to do again. Buy one, get one free at theragun.com slash bluewire. But only till Labor Day, folks. Go right now to theragun.com slash bluewire. And, you know, we, we try to look at this from a very clear view. You know, Marty's done some very good things here. He's built some good teams. He's been a part of some really great drafts. But it's been a long tenure, and it's been two separate tenures. Uh, you know, in Nexus there, and he comes back in 2017. So we'll see how that works out. Hopefully he has an opportunity to do what he's best at and they can build a good front office structure moving forward. I do want to get your thoughts on the coaching staff in particular. Uh, Matt Rule is a fascinating guy. Two programs that he sort of uh, regenerated some, uh, you know, momentum with, Temple and then especially Baylor. And he's bringing the gang with him. You know, Joe Brady obviously has some connections. And then you've got uh, Phil Snow, who's been with him for a while. In fact, we talked to Deshaun Foster the other night. You know, Deshaun was played at UCLA when Snow and Rule were on that staff at that same time. Amazing. (laughs) Yeah, it's crazy. Small world. Talk about those guys in terms of their college experience, guys. Don't have a lot of play calling experience on the pro level. Is that something that's going to present challenges? You've followed the league for a long time, Jim. Do you think they're going to get out coached a little bit early on? I think it's a, it's a mixed bag in that, in that one, there is, uh, you know, Ron Rivera made the comment. He wished he had had a North Turner type when he first started uh, because he'd like that, that, he even said to the point, I'd like to have had a former head coach on my staff, former NFL head coach on my yep, staff. I remember something wrong. Yes, he said that. And that's probably closer to the truth for any team that would be true for sure. Uh, the one thing they do have coming in is teams don't know what to expect. And so it should be different. I mean, this game has gotten more and more collegiate. When you think about the quarterback play of Cam Newton, Lamar Jackson, some of these players coming in, you know, it used to be such a traditional drop back league and you had to be, six four and have a big cannon arm and stay in the pocket and uh and you know that there's a place for that but it, it, there's less of that now than there used to be now you want the more athletic and we're seeing a lot more spread and a lot more shotgun a lot like the, the college game is so what they're bringing is kind of that you're talking about modernizing the game you know that's that's kind of the direction the panthers are headed but at the end of the day you know we we talked about this with um christian mccaffrey on a zoom the other day Sometimes you got to line up and pick up a yard, right? So remember Green Bay last yeah. year in the snow? 
Yes, you do. <laughs> you need Greg Van Roten. Make your block Greg Van Roten. And you have to get that yard. You got to win the yeah. game with a yard sometimes. You need me on that yard. And, uh, you know, they weren't able to get that yard. It's a game of inches, on that Jim. Wall. So, I mean, sometimes, yeah, it's flash. It's fun. But when that yeah. – it, it is, especially on the frozen tundra that day because, you know what, oh, you man. needed Jerry Kramer. You needed to be able to line up and get a yard. <laughs> yes. And you couldn't. And that happened a lot last year where this team could not get the push up front and be able to get that. So you do have to be that physical team as much as you might be the, you know, we're obviously one of the fastest teams skill position wise, but they have got to be able to just line up and just play tackle football and be able to line up and pick up a half a yard, one yard, one and a half yards, whatever it is. A lot of times, you know, Cam Newton would just bailed his team out because he would just athletically will himself oh, yeah. to, to just go make it that's, happen. That's like, going to be so missed, Jim. And I know we're not doing a Cam Newton segment here, I promise you, but just a quick take on that. Some of the stats on his third down production with his legs, even improvisational type plays. I mean, you've watched all these games, you know. It was unstoppable. It's, uh, yeah, it, 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 it's an 11-on-11 game when you have Newton in there. And that's one element that Panthers fans are going to have to get used to. I know they're, you know, some are upset, and I get that. But at least from a football perspective, it's a distribution offense now. It's no longer about, you know, churning Newton in four or five yards and getting the hard ones. And that's going to be a challenge, I think, moving forward to get adjusted for some of the holdover guys that are on this roster. But uh, you're right. you got to get a yard. I remember that Green Bay game last year. Jimmy, talk about, you know, the 2019 experience a little bit. That's a good segue because that game was a heartbreaker. The one at New Orleans was a heartbreaker. Obviously, they had whipped the living crap out of the Tennessee Titans who went far in the playoffs, and they were 5-3 and three at that point. But even at that game, I just sensed that just it was just something a little bit not sustainable about the way they were doing things. Allen had trouble with his accuracy. There were some uh, missed opportunities. I shouldn't say that on defense. The, <laughs> That's a great the, name the, for our podcast, missed opportunities. And we're, Ron, we're praying for you, by the way, on a serious note. Yes. Um, well, the, the defense was just a renaissance defense. And I love these guys, Gerald McCoy, Bruce Irvin. I miss a lot of these vets, Eric Reed, but it was like a one-year rental for some of these guys. And then, boom, clean house clean out shop. So that experience last year, going through Ron's final stretch and, and sort of the meltdown, eight straight losses, and again, that's two consecutive years they've gone through that. How important is it for this team moving forward to play competitive football in December, sort of like 2002 where John Fox came in and reignited that energy? Yeah. And real quick side note on that, you know, the, the last year of John Fox and the last year of Ron Rivera were so strikingly similar. It was just like this death march towards nowhere. And Ron just finally got out before the season even ended. But I remember talking to John Fox in those last couple of weeks and being in practice. And uh, I mean, they were just going through the motions of two and 14 and uh, nothing you could do. He knew he wasn't coming back. They were just closing out the string and Ron chose not to go that route. He's like, this is over. Then let's just call it over. And obviously went to Washington fairly quickly out of that. But beyond that, yeah, it's important to win in December. That's what all good teams do. And that was kind of a – that. if you look at the tenure of Ron's nine years, the hallmark was this was a great November-December team. They Last year was – We called him the opposite. ice – we called him the ice bull. That was our nickname in the Ellis House. He was the <laughs> ice bull. Because you always knew and know, after Thanksgiving – that Belichick always talks about this – they played their best football. And then that stopped happening around 2018. Yeah. And even that year, they went seven, eight, and one. I mean, they won all those games at the end to win the NFC yeah. South at seven, eight, and one, but with a huge rally, like five in a row at the end. Amazing. So that, that was most of what Ron's tenure was. And obviously, any win, they all count the same when you're counting 16. They all count good, but you want to play your better football 
in theory, if you're going to be a good team at the end of the year, because that translates into what kind of a playoff team you will be as opposed to a team that starts well and they just, you know, by the end, they're, they're gassed by the time they get to the playoffs and not playing good football. So you do want that. And, uh, you know, you were asking about the coaching staff. I interviewed John when I was filling in on WFNZ uh, with your, your, our buddy T-Bone uh, about, yeah. a, about six weeks ago, I guess now, mm-hmm. he was a guest on the show. And I asked him, well, what do you think, John? I mean, he's a guy three times head coach in this league with different programs doing broadcasting now. And, and he said it, Bill Polian said it, who we also interviewed, and I've heard it from others, longtime NFL people. They like Matt Rule. They like his potential. They think Joe Brady's offense and what he's going to bring is going to be innovative. Um, I think the question mark is not that there's any reason to believe it won't be, but Phil Snow is just more of a wild card. So I think on the defensive side, it's just a little bit more of a wild card as far as we don't know. Yeah, I'm excited to see what this defense and Jeremy Chin being a big part of that, what that's all going to look like with Derek Brown and Russ Mottos coming in and the return of KK and Shaq. So I think the defense is going to be better than advertised. But I think it's just, you know, we got to give a little bit of time. I think this whole first year with no OTAs and no mini camps, except virtually, let's be realistic about first year team going through all this upheaval that I'm going to say, just give it a minute. <laughs> you know, don't don't go Raiders week one. I don't have like a minute, Jim. Like, I'm in a oh, pandemic. Here we go. <laughs> I need know, it now, damn it. <laughs> yeah, what are we doing? Fire them all. Microwave and, culture. Feed me yes, now, baby. <laughs> give it a minute, will you? It's gonna just let's all just look at it realistically for thirty thousand feet and go, this is gonna take a minute. Give it okay? a minute. That- the 2020 Panthers yearbook. Give it a minute. Yeah, we're not going to microwave. If we're going to bake something at 400 degrees, we're going to have to give it a few minutes here. So let's just give it time. Oh the coach has a seven-year contract, so read yeah. the leaves. You know, they're, they're, they're trying to build something sustainable. They're not trying to – you said you said it, Renaissance. I, I was I, – I bought in too. Bruce Irvin, Gerald McCoy – Oh yeah, Super Bowl. We're winning the Super Bowl. It felt good at the time. It felt we were the worst rushing defense in the history of pro sports. I mean, if you you could throw John Billy and me up there, we would get six yards on first down, running up the middle. We could fit the run as well as they did. Sure, absolutely. (laughs) Doesn't take much. Oh gosh, yeah. I I, give it a minute. I'm doing a new. I'm going to start a side podcast. Just me by myself. It's going to be called "Give It a Minute." The Carolina Panthers. Yeah, everyone settle down. Let's just right. give it a minute here. We'll, we'll, we'll check oh, back in. But let's let, let's let the progress happen. Let's let it play out. Let's the, let the rookies be rookies for a minute and let the, the whole thing yeah. gel together on offense and defense. And it's, I think you know, they're building a plan that at least everyone's on the same page, you know, the same thought. I would say this, too, about the players, whether it's the rookies, which you expect, and young veterans, or the 30-year-old guys like K.K. Short or late 20s like mm-hmm. Trey Boston, they've all bought in. When we talk to these guys, they are genuinely excited to be here enthused about what they're hearing I, you know we, we joke around about you know they had the the giant exercise ball they had the soccer balls you know they're playing golf they're having hot dog eating contests. Well, i think that you stuff's know, great i love that this stuff. drudgery you've got to have fun and they can't go have movie night they can't go have bowling night so they're just trying to work and be serious yeah, be a serious football team matt has said that but you also got to incorporate some fun oh, too you can't parse it every word matt folks need to rely on you have, oh there's a lot of cam newton resentment out there but when matt says we're here to do business and then they're out there doing you know chipping and putting and, and that you know all teams do things like this and what matt brings from baylor is some energy and some different perspective on how to bring guys together and that they haven't seen each other all off season so you know it's sort of like a an opportunity to get to know one another. And, and, and I think it was great, man. I think it's a great way to, to build continuity and, and get guys together. I want to talk about one guy that's still in the building. This will be our final question for Jim Zoki. Uh, the great Jim Zoki, who has been around since the beginning, 1995 Panthers analyst, radio network. So Luke Keekley, 
Um, he is in the building, and obviously we saw him last night on the sidelines uh, talking with his replacement uh, to hear Whitehead. Those are uh, big shoes to fill, by the way. Uh, so I want to know from you, just as a, an observer of somebody who is in that building, who covers the team and is, has known Luke for a long time, A, what does it look like day-to-day for Luke right now? And B, do you think this is a path to coaching for him? You know, it could be that. I also think about the possibility. I don't know that Luke knows right now the, the you know, two, three, four-year plan right now. But, you know, Dan Morgan, right? So you think about Dan Morgan coming oh, yeah. in as a scout and then going out to Seattle and now with Buffalo as the assistant GM. You know, is there a front office path that he might want to take that begins with scouting? Um because he didn't jump into coaching. I mean, coaching's long hours and yeah. not great pay when you're an assistant starting out. Uh, but I think you know, Luke's, Luke has a unique role in terms of not just being your typical pro scout. Like, he is going to help this team prepare. And as we know, legendary film study guy beyond being an awesome football player. Part of the cerebral part that made Luke so great was the film study he would do for himself and then for his teammates to recognize things for his teammates and to point them out in advance as they're lining up against an offense out there is just unmatched. So if you're just a a gym rat when it comes to film study like that, that's going to translate in so many ways for great preparation. That's the pro scout part of it. But the other thing we're hearing about, and it's not unexpected at all because of the kind of person he is, is what just a, a useful resource he is as a human being to go talk football with, whether that's about the upcoming opponent, which we've not gotten too much, obviously with the Raiders, but we will. And then the, just the, how to play the position, you know, how to work in, in a defense, you know, just things that would translate to playing on any football with, you know, good, solid football fundamentals, preparations. So he is there as a resource, as a guy who's just freshly retired, as not being some, you know, 78-year-old guy, you know, just being a guy who played football last season at a high level uh, that can be a, a resource to players to sit down and talk football with. And then obviously helping out the coaching staff with the pro scouting part of things and the rest of the scouting department. So I think in this organization, again, fit, we get back to that word again, what a fit he is universally. And anytime you got good people that are unbelievable football players, uh, you can't have too many of those guys around a building. Great stuff. Jim Zoki, author of the book, Give It a Minute. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> He's the Panthers radio network uh, analyst, longtime analyst for the Panthers, and uh, also does work on uh, WFNZ in Charlotte and other media entities out there. He's all over the map. Uh, Jim, would you like to plug anything before we get you out of here? No, I'd like to not do anything more. I feel like you said I do so much. You know, I'm on <laughs> WBT, I'm on WFNZ, I'm on the Panthers network, I'm on too many podcasts. Uh, which are on thepanthers.com if you want to check those out. Just did one today with John Halpin on fantasy football. Mick and I do the walkthrough podcast. That one will begin uh, next week. That'll be a weekly one on panthers.com. But uh, I just enjoy what we do. I enjoy the fact that we're going to have a football season that was uh, in question and uh, things are subject to change day by day, hour by hour. But as we sit here doing this podcast, there's a football season that's going to happen, it looks like. And so um, just blessed and happy to get to have a 20 Sixth season, I guess now, is it the right number, right? 26, 26 years of doing Jim. this. So yeah. I just, uh, who would have thought? Uh, but uh, it's, so, it's so much fun and appreciate you guys having me on and always enjoy chatting and, and following you guys on Twitter. You do such a great job. And John, I, I have a question for you. This is serious. Oh boy. You do so much Twitter. I mean, I get up in the morning, I get up at four o'clock to do a morning show. Yeah. You're on there, not at four, but you're on bright in the morning yeah. till past. I, when I go to bed, like I, I'm guessing 11 or 12, how do you churn out the amount of content 
and good stuff. I mean, film study stuff. I don't know how you do all that. Well, it's just a little hard work and dedication there, Jim. That's all it takes. <laughs> no, it's like 20 uh, no. hours a day. You've got a family. It's, I see your beautiful look, children on Twitter. It's like, you've got a wife and a family and a job. I don't know how you do all this. I stuff. have got a son named Jonathan, who's 13, who is quite an adroit at jumping on and helping me punch a few things out once in a while. So I've got a little assistant here to help me. But no, honestly. Wait, all this content's coming from a 13-year-old? <laughs> Yes. Can you believe it? He's the face. It's good. He's good. I don't care how old he is. I've outsourced a little bit of this. Now, what, what, <laughs> the idea of what we try to do here, again, this podcast is about you, not me, Jim. It's about you. But what we try to do here is just, just a, it's a content machine. As much as we can push out, we just try to give folks the good memories, some of the hard memories, and the visuals of what maybe they've missed from the past and then you know looking forward and doing some analysis in the future if i'm in the car line picking up the kids i got twitter up i'm looking at what's going on i'm thinking oh it's a thursday what can i go back in the archives here and find an old clip from 03 and sort of see what folks think yeah some people are like oh, john come on slow down no it's be good it's just, I, just, I don't know how a human being does the amount of volume that you do it's, it's good stuff too it's, if you and rex chapman ever leave twitter my timeline will have nothing on it it's, it's filled with you and, and rex chapman Where's my check mark, by the way? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a lot of fun. We work really hard to, to give people something good to look at every day, and hopefully it, it, it does make everybody happy. But on Twitter, that's impossible. So you do the best you can. No, you can't. But I appreciate you and Billy having me on. It's been it's great fun, as always. Follow Jim Zoki on Twitter and all of his stuff on Panthers.com. He is the guy to follow for all that digital stuff. Jimmy, thank you. We'll talk to you next time, buddy. All right, guys. Thank you. Did somebody say playoffs? NBA and NHL are playing for the gold, and our partners at Bet Online have you covered. Get in on all the action, including a new NBA bracket contest with plenty of chances to win. MLB season is pushing into fall, and there's no shortage of ways to bet with hundreds of odds, futures, and props. So take advantage of the return of sports, and remember, the casino never closes. Check it out all day, all night. Go to betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your welcome bonus. That's betonline.ag, promo code Blue Wire. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.